Repainting the Christian Faith by Rob Bell. But first we're going to do some mindless banner. <laughs> Speaking of Elvis. <laughs> no, actually, uh, we, we've been watching this podcast thing and uh, thought that we'd try our hand at it. And we figured out what could a couple of uh, middle-aged pastors do. But wait, 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 wait. I, I'm middle-aged, Dave. I'm more than middle-aged because if you multiply my age times two, it's like well over 100. No, it's not. It's not well over 100. It's, it's not up to 100 yet. And I, I talked with my wife. She's an expert. I said, uh, you know, told her what we were doing. She's not into technology. She, she'll pro- I don't even know if she'll ever hear this, but I, I told her what we were thinking about calling it. And I said, Jeff said he was too old to be considered middle age. And she said, no, middle age is between 40 and 60. Okay, then I guess I'm middle age. Yeah, so... So those all those hundred twenty year olds out there, uh, <laughs> or if you're hoping to reach that age, just you know, I'm, I'm glad I can be middle aged till sixty. Yeah. My wife recently turned fifty, and she received the senior citizens discount uh, at the bank. So, so you're golden. That's cool. golden. We're golden agers. Cool. Golden agers. Although I'm not fifty yet. So we're calling this two middle-aged pastors uh, reviewing books. Reviewing books, and we're just going to look at some books and from time to time, and some that some we'll agree with, and some we won't, uh, because uh, that's just the way we are. Yeah, I'll have to actually buy some books I don't agree with. I'm afraid to spend the money. We have to buy get it from the library if we don't agree with them. Now, do you find that usually you know whether you agree with a book uh, when you actually purchase it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> There are books that I'm told I should agree with that I don't, and there are books that they, I'm told I shouldn't agree with that I do, so I don't really put a lot of weight in um, what other people say, because I like to read this. Okay. Okay. So the book for today we chose was uh, Rob Bell's Velvet Elvis, and, uh, and it, we'll get to that in a minute. You know, you, you just can't get to the meat of the podcast right away. That's you right. Know, it's, kind of, it's like the news. It's like the news. They know all you're wanting to do is watch the weather. That they put that about 20 minutes into the broadcast. So, you know, you kind of have to wait around for that. Uh, so, Jeff, what's going on? Anything? Going on where? Anywhere. Anywhere? Uh, did you hear about the $50 iPod, or, uh, iBook? Uh, A $50 iBook? Yes. Yeah, Virginia. Uh, school system somewhere in Virginia decided that they had too many iBooks. Uh, they were wanting to get rid of them. They had 1,000. What's so an iBook? It's a laptop computer. Apple. I had no idea what you're talking about. I thought it was a doctor. I hate doctor book. No, no, it's a it's a it's a laptop computer from Apple. A lot uh-huh. of schools use them, and the school system in Virginia decided they were going to have a uh, uh, sell them for fifty dollars, and so they're going to do it at the Richmond Speedway because you know a thousand people is a lot of people. The only problem was they had fifty five hundred people sign up or show up. Ah, at the gate it's seven o'clock, and it was like a stampede. I mean, people were running over each other. They uh, destroyed uh, a baby carriage, uh, pushing old people down, running over to get these fifty-dollar iBooks. 
You mean to get a used computer before getting hurt? Yes, a four-year-old iBook for $50. People were, were stampeding uh, to get their chance to get one of these. I'll tell you what, Dave. The other day I was working at the local UAW passing out school supplies. And last year they gave away computers with the school supplies for people in poverty. Real computers? Real computers. They were not new. They were the school had changed out. Okay, so kind so of the same, same, same thing. So this lady comes up to me and gets her school supplies for this year. She said, "My computer that you gave me last year broke down. What are you going to do about it?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, I don't think I'm going to do anything about it." But <laughs> I referred her to the lady in charge. The lady in charge said, "Well, there was no guarantees on those computers. <laughs> You've had it for a year. It was free to begin with." <laughs> and the lady was a little upset because now they don't have a computer. Yeah, now they don't have one. They got used to it. I mean, that would be a be a yeah, it would be a bummer. Maybe someone out there listening to this, the three people listening to this podcast, maybe one of you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we should have sent her to the Richmond Speedway. Yeah, there you go. Get a fifty dollar iBook. Hopefully, she wouldn't got run over. They they actually have video. Uh, a TV crew in Richmond have video of this. It's online. Uh, maybe I don't know if we can do show notes with this. Maybe we'll put a link somewhere. Blogs or something, yeah. Uh, oh, first, first plug, first plug. <laughs> Fuzzythinking.blogsum.com. Uh, that's my blog. Yeah, my blog is Jeff Newton, all one word. Dot blogspot. Dot com. Did you hear me say spot? I had that kind of spot. Chicago, spot. Chicago kind of thing. I've been living. We're not from Chicago. We should we're, probably say we're, we're from Central Indiana. Yeah, right now we're in Kokomo. I drove down to Kokomo. An hour and a half. I drove to be here to do this. Right. That's just. I don't know. That's nuts. That's crazy. But that's all right. The, anyway. Uh, so uh, should we get to the book? This, we, we, it's been about six minutes. So yeah, we should thing. get to the book. Um, I should there there should be some full disclosure here. Uh, I started listening to some of uh, Rob Bell's sermons online. Actually, he's he's at a church called Mars Hell. If, if you see something, if you hear something in the background, it's a rabbit. It's scratched. It's trying to get out of the cage. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> so it's a rabbit. It was drinking, and we took away its water because it was like really really loud. It was very loud. But uh, the, the rabbit it, the rabbit's okay. The rabbit's, the rabbit's fine. fine. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I, I discovered uh, Mars Hill when I was doing some, some reading on postmodernity or whatever you want to call it, uh, postmodern movement. And uh, Mars Hill came up. And uh, interestingly enough, I'm only like an hour and a half to two hours away from the church. So I, act, I had even been at Mars Hill. Uh, so I might have some leanings one way or the other when I'm entering into this book. So that's kind of a full disclosure thing. Yeah, I never, I never heard of Rob Bell, um, but I just happened to be at the Christian bookstore, which Rob Bell says you shouldn't ever use Christian as an adjective; it's always a noun. Which I agree with. <laughs> so, so uh, I some re- of the worst stuff I've ever, ever read or listened to has been Christian, right? As far as quality, as far as quality. Yeah. So I was in a bookstore that features Christians. It's Christians. I didn't even say it. Anyway, uh, and I stuff, stuff, and I was. Um, that's still an adjective. Um, <laughs> and I just happened to run across this book, and the book's kind of unusual because it's all white. It's like a blank canvas because it kind of goes with repainting the Christian faith. It just has a little tiny El- Velvet Elvis. And I don't even know why I picked it up because I really didn't know Rob Bell. You liked Elvis. I liked Elvis. That's it. I like hey, Velvet which, Elvis. Which I wanted to ask you a question. When I do a search, Jeff has his own book out uh, through Lulu.com. And if you do a search on Lulu.com, it, it'll pop, pull up. But they're supposed to have something with uh, Amazon. And so I put your name in Amazon 
He won't show up. Well, you know what shows up? Greece. Greece. All this stuff for Greece. Uh, it won't show up there because you have to buy an IBM number for $35, and I didn't buy one. Oh, so your book won't show up. But when you do a search at Amazon for Jeff Newton, all these DVDs for Greece show up. And so I just, I don't know. I thought of Elvis, well, the and other then I thought of Greece. Greece. Yeah. <laughs> I like to cook in Greece a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back, back to Velvet Elvis. Velvet Elvis. Um, so I picked up the book, and I, and I read it very quickly. It's a really quick read. It's easy to read. It's not real academic or anything like that. It's a lot of white space. A lot of white space. It, it's it's like a hundred and um, close to two hundred pages. Yeah, it's close. One hundred ninety-four pages. It probably could have been done in fifty. <laughs> uh, maybe a hundred. If they would have, I would say fifty. Maybe half. Yeah, if they'd have made the print, you know, a little but, small. But I love the way he has <coughs> footnotes. Uh, he has a lot of footnotes. Uh, how many? He's got what? Close to two hundred footnotes. Yeah, 170. 170 footnotes. Uh, a lot, he footnotes scripture, but a lot of times he, he will uh, footnote people that uh, have influenced him. But what I love the way he did his footnotes, he did it within the chapters, but he also numbered them sequentially uh, from 1 to 170. I, I really hate the books that I have to turn to the back and try to remember what chapter I was reading at the time. And then when I remember what chapter, I forget what the number of the footnote was within that chapter. And then when I finally find that out, I lose my place. And so it's just, I, I actually look at the footnotes, or the endnotes, I should say. Yeah, that's, I like that part too. Yeah, Rob Bell is um, uh, a kind of, I would say that he has, he has a heavy leaning toward understanding the scriptures in light of Jewish culture in the context of the Jewish folks at the time of Jesus and before. And um, he's heavily influenced, I think, by a theologian named N.T. Wright. That's N.T. Wright. Uh, W-R-I-G-H-T. Yeah. I think he's more of a Bible scholar. I, I, Probably. I'm not sure if there's a difference between theologian and Bible scholar. I think there is. There are yeah. some theologians that you know might not really know the Bible. That's true. <laughs> There might be some biblical scholars that really don't have a very good theology. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you're right. He is a biblical scholar. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, David knows a little more about N.T. Wright yeah. uh, than I do because he's read more of him. Although I've read a little bit of him. Um, but when you begin to Rob Bell has taken a lot of that scholarship and has brought that into 2005, which is the copyright of the book, by the way. So it's not an old book at all. And um, is, it was intriguing to think about it. Now, we, we've been reading, David and I have been reading a lot of uh, reviews on Amazon.com, and I would suggest you go there. Read yeah. the reviews there and see what they have to say, because uh, some people hate this book. It's not pretty. Let's just say it's not pretty on Amazon.com, because it, I think the book uh, does something that people don't like to do, and that's make you think. <laughs> <laughs> We'd rather not think. You'd rather not think about stuff, and it makes you do a lot of thinking. And while I may not agree with every single thing that Rob Bell wrote in the book, um, I do agree that the Bible is a book um, that was speaking initially to people in the first century and before, in the first century, around Jesus' time of Jesus. But at the same time, it speaks to us today. So it's, it's, it's past and present and future, too, I think. Um, now, now let me ask you something. Does it make you uncomfortable at all that he says things such as when John wrote the book of John, he had an agenda. When Matthew wrote the book of Matthew, he had an agenda. 
No, it doesn't make me uncomfortable <laughs> at all. But do you, would you see why it would make some people feel uncomfortable? It would, because, but I think that if you really study the Bible, you understand that Matthew is writing uh, the gospel to a particular group of people at a particular time. John's doing the same thing. Mark and, and Luke, all of them are writing, and they all come from different angles. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I think some people do, but the, the thing that I had to come to terms with is in the, the Gospel of John, uh, the whole temple incident happens like what? Uh, in the first few chapters. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But the other would say, no, it was like the last week of his life. And it's like, okay, did he do it twice? Which some people say. Or was John writing his Gospel uh in a way to lead us uh, to a theological understanding, uh, more than a more than a historical accuracy, more of a theologically theological way of understanding the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And or maybe he just had his timeline mixed up. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> maybe he just was old and forgot. <laughs> I can't really remember when it happened. I just know that it happened. I think people would feel very uncomfortable with that statement. Uh, well, don't you know what happened? You do. Some, some people. Do you remember? Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, maybe we should say here that Jeff and I go uh, way, way back. Uh, I knew him, or he knew me when I was eight years old. I actually met David the first time I met David was when his mom brought him to church as a baby. Yeah, so I've been okay. So I've been going to church since I have been a baby. So yes, I he has. So have I. In the church, we both have grown up in the same church. Actually, a little different. There is a little age difference between Dave and I, as little as he wants to portray that there is. And so we were never in youth group or Sunday school classes together or anything like that. He was a, a little bit younger. But, but now we're both pastors, so that's kind of a so we're on the same level. Really cool thing. It is cool. It is really neat. So how, how should we do this book? Should we go chapter through chapter or just pick things out? Let's just pick some stuff out because we don't maybe don't have time to go through all of it. Well, that's true. That's true. We, we, don't, we want to keep the podcast probably under under half an hour. Under sure. half an hour for sure. Under 20 minutes would probably be good too. Be better because people are going to turn us off. Yeah. And if you made it this far, drop us an email. <laughs> if, you're the, if you're one or two people, one of the two people that are listening yeah, to this yeah. are wives. Because, because the amazing thing is I've yet to figure out why people would want to listen to stuff like this, but apparently they do. It sounds like they do. Dave, Dave has told me that people do, and I believe it. Yeah. And so we're doing this, and who knows? So, Dave, for you, what was one of the most thing? What was one thing in here that challenged you a lot, or was new information? Uh, what challenged me was him just putting into uh, words. Uh, view of the Bible that sometimes I, you know, I don't really like to, to think about. I don't like to think about that maybe John had an agenda when he wrote the, the scripture. Uh, you know, it's much more comfortable to think that uh, you know perhaps the Bible was completely dictated from uh, you know a throne in heaven, and that John wrote down what he wrote down was because you know that's exactly what God wanted to write down. That, that John didn't really have much of a part of it. However, my experience and just uh, rationality. Doesn't always allow me to, to, to stay stay in that that place. Exactly. And, and Rob Bell, I think, has just <clears throat> kind of talked about that. And, and really, if you can get past that, uh, then I think uh, what Rob Bell says and uh, some of the other theologians talking about first century Jew- Judaism and Christianity. Uh, can really open up your mind to a uh, 
I, I guess I would say, a fresh faith. Exactly. I thought it was in the same vein with the Bible. Um, he talks a lot about binding and loosing. The scripture talks about binding yeah, and loosing. I know you love this section. I do. And to bind something, he says, means to forbid it. And to loose it means to allow it. I think I would agree with that. So he says in the Bible, there you bind and loose the Bible. There are things that you bind to that you agree with um, that you that you want to make sure happens. And there's other, other things... Uh, and. There's other things that you let go that you allow to happen. So the binding, the binding is to forbid something or to keep close rein on. To loose it means to let it go. And so he says in the, in the scriptures, for example, a woman needing to wear a head covering has been loosed um, today. It's been loosed somewhere along the way. It's been loosed. Um, he says to love your neighbor as yourself is something you're bound to. And he says that the binding and loosing is done in a community of faith with heaven involved. So it's not something you do as an individual necessarily. It's something that you do in a community of faith and heaven's involved in it. So you bind and loose things. And I thought that was interesting because people that say that we should just take the whole Bible the way it is, I don't see many people actually living that out. They can say that, but I don't see them living that out. Do you, Dave? Uh, I see people trying to, uh, but I think it tends to break down. And, and I think that, I don't know, uh, I, I think that maybe when people do that, they pull themselves out of the current culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's not the fact that, that they have no impact on the current culture. Yeah, Rob Bell, a quote from Rob Bell's book on page 50 says, uh, Jesus is giving his followers the authority to make new interpretations of the Bible. He's giving them permission to say, hey, we missed it before on that verse, and we recently come to the conclusion that this is what it actually means. And so that bothers people because uh, interpreting the Bible, but Ron, Rob, Bell, Rob Bell also says that the Bible is interpreted whenever time it's translated because you have to pick and choose different Greek and Hebrew words to go into English. And so whatever word you pick is an interpretation of what you think the Bible's saying. So he would say that um, the only um, accurately interpreted Bible would be in the original languages at a certain point. But I still think he would he would say that even that is a interpretation. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is even the folks that say, well, we just take the Bible as it is, you know, the Bible Paul used, the Bible uh, that Paul used, <laughs> and, and we just take it the way it was written, you're saying even they interpret the Scripture. Of course. To their own meaning. Yeah. Based on the culture that they live in. Yes, I think. Or the community they live in. Both. I think that the the Christianity of the United States is much different than the Christianity you'll find in China, where it's oppressed, or other parts of the world. I think that our culture dictates or helps us to interpret what we believe the Bible says. So we look through the Bible in, eye, in the eyes of our culture, and we can't help but do that because that's the way we are. And so um, uh, there's a lot of scripture that people ignore um, because it's is that wouldn't work in our culture. For example, slavery is one issue. Um, um, I can think. Of, I can't think of any more. Well, I, I I think at some point people are going to get to the to the H word. And Jeff and I kind of made a, a decision since we're uh, both United Methodists, we are not going to talk about homosexuality on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because we spend a lot more time. Because isn't that kind of where some people might 
start wondering where all this is going because sometimes people talk about slavery, homosexuality, yeah. kind of. Well, you know, and, and we're not going to discuss that because um, there's just way too many places you can already read about it. Yeah. So, and, and if, if you want to follow that argument through, uh, feel free. Go right ahead. Do your own podcast. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I think the implications. It's interesting because he did this, and what was it? He doesn't number the chapters, which kind of drives me nuts, uh, but it's movement two, which I think would be like chapter two. Although I think he does have chapter zero, doesn't he? Or is that I don't one? know. I don't know. But uh, movement two, and that's the, the yoke, and uh, and he was talking about the yoke being the teaching of the rabbi, and you take on that rabbi's yoke, and I think where he's getting at is that uh, we all have our own yokes that we choose. Mm-hmm. And in uh, the Really, I think that that might be the big contention of the whole book. It's just the view of scripture. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, but what about some of the other parts of the book? Well, I like. There's another part of the book that talks about um, uh, being a missionary and how everybody's a missionary. And being a missionary, he says, Rob Bell says that the Jewish understanding was that God is in every place and everywhere. And I think that's today's idea too and I, I believe that to be true but there's no place that God isn't there's no place that Jesus isn't and so when you say as a missionary you say I'm going to take Jesus to somebody in Africa or I'm going to take Jesus to somebody in India or wherever you're going to go I'm going to take Jesus to somebody in Kokomo that's not a true statement because Jesus is already there and so he suggests that a missionary isn't taking Jesus anywhere but the missionary is a tour guide that's pointing people Saying, "Oh, see where Jesus is working in your life here," and I found, I, I and I that that would just that was something that really changed the way I think about missionaries. I consider myself to be a missionary, and so um, instead of me thinking I'm taking Jesus to somebody, I can talk to somebody and say, and they can say, tell me something really good that happened to them. I said, "Ah, didn't Jesus do a great thing, or didn't God do a great thing in your life?" That you point out to people where they where Jesus is working, where the Holy Spirit is working, or where the or however, whatever vocabulary they can understand uh, God in and point that out to them so that they are aware that they're not alone. Yeah, uh, here's the, the, the thing that I saw with that. Uh, the, the quote that I have here is uh, from Rob Bell's book. It's, uh, but God is always present. We're the ones who show up. Uh-huh. And I think too many times in, in the Christian community we get this either-or mentality that while we're in church... Uh, we're doing a certain thing, and, and we're recognizing that God is there and God is present. But, you know, when we go out to that that job that we've worked for 35 years, and we get up every day, for some reason we can't see God as being a part of that place. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he talks about Moses uh, in the burning bush, and God saying, you know, the place that you're standing on is holy. And he said, you know, Moses had been by that place probably hundreds of times, because he was there for 40 years, doing the same thing. He said, could it be that the place was always holy, but Moses just didn't recognize it? And, mm-hmm. and I agree with that, that uh, through you know, the, the pressures that we have in life uh, and, and the voicemails to be answered and the podcasts to be recorded mm-hmm. and everything, that sometimes we forget that God is already there before we're there. And when we enter into what God is already doing, uh, it becomes a very, very powerful thing. Yeah, he says on page 85, he says, uh, this is why it's impossible for a Christian to have a secular job. 
if you follow Jesus and you're doing what you're doing in his name, that it's no longer secular work, it's sacred work. You are there, God is there. The difference is you're aware that God's there. Right. And I think that awareness, if we can get to that, if we can get to the awareness of God's presence, everywhere we're at, everything that we're doing, I think will transform not only our lives, but the lives of folks around us. So let's take that a step further, David. If you're, um, let's say in the church, we tell people that to be a good Christian in the church, they need to have jobs in the church. They need to be ushers and greeters and nursery workers. Committee folks. Yeah, community folks, like that sort of stuff. Committee folks, that's a big one. That's committee, that's a, committee. That's committee folks, they sound like community folks. Yeah, committee, committee folks. So we, we recognize those folks and we honor those folks. But but at the same time, I think that in the when somebody goes out and does volunteer work in the community, like delivers meals on wheels or tutors a child, then we don't count that because it's not legitimate church stuff. What about being home with the family? Is that legitimate? Church work? Yeah. Yeah. You, you've had experiences where uh, people might work 30 hours with the church and you realize that their family's a wreck because while they're spending all this time at the church, they're not home with the ones that God has given them. Exactly. And then I was even taking it, thinking even a step further. Let's say that you're a Christian person and you're coaching soccer or Little League or whatever else. Is that kingdom work? Yes, it is. So well, depends on how you do it, I guess. Well, if you're doing it well and you're doing a positive thing, yeah. If, if you're sorry to the kids every ten minutes because they're not kicking the ball right, that's uh, not so good. That might not be. Really but if good. you're bringing Jesus to it and you're being positive and they're learning positive things, then I think it is it is legitimate work that a Christian can do. However, we can't. In our churches, we can't count that. So when we turn our reports in at the end of the year, we can't say we had 14 Little League coaches and we yeah. had three people tutoring kids and at the school and blah, blah, blah. And so um, it, I think it, de- it doesn't make their job legitimate, their volunteer work for Christ or ministry legitimate because it's not done under the umbrella of the church. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh and, and we can stay on that point for a long time. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, the restoration. Uh, you, you had mentioned something earlier, and we were just kind of talking about the book uh, before the podcast. Uh, talked about Rob Bell's view of the cross. I was going to go there. hundred Yeah, that's probably where I have a little bit of more problem with that. Uh, Rob Bell basically says, uh, if you start in the paragraph before, he's says, uh, there is healing we need from the cross every single day, uh, which leads to forgiveness. Uh, the point of the cross isn't forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to something much bigger, restoration. Uh, God isn't just interested in the covering of our sins. God wants to make us into the people we were originally created to be. It's not just the removal of what's being held against us. It is God pulling us into people he originally had in mind when he made us. Now, see, I can agree with that all the way if you read it very slowly and carefully. But my first reading was, the cross doesn't lead to forgiveness. The point of the cross isn't forgiveness. But, he goes on to say, it's not just forgiveness. And I think that's true. I think salvation, the word salvation, includes the word, means wholeness. means wholeness. And so forgiveness is in it, but also being made whole. And I liked restoring us back to our original 
purpose that we were created to be, the, the original way we were created to be. So, and, and he might be reacting on the fact that a lot of times in, in the Christian community, we make uh, the whole point of Christianity about forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You know, that the rest of your life can be a complete mess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you just kind of wonder where God is, but you're forgiven, and so you're happy about that. But, the, you know, but what he is saying is that God also wants to change us and transform us and to make us into who we were created to be. Um, for restoration. I mean, right. it's going to restore us back to the original plan, which is that we would be uh, reflecting the image of God. Exactly. that light. Exactly. He says become more and more like the person that God made us to be. So the question is then, in the cross according to Rob Bell, there's forgive, there is forgiveness, but that's not the main point of the cross. The main point is restoration and wholeness and healing. So does... does as you read Rob Bell, did you get the sense that he's talking about um, you're forgiven to go to heaven someday? Uh, you know, I didn't really... I, I, I'm not sure I got that from him. Uh, I'm stammering around because I'm trying to think of exactly... What <laughs> I put Dave on the spot. I know, I know, I know. But that's okay. It's happened before. Uh, I, I think for him, salvation is about being restored with the Creator. And if that means heaven... That means heaven, but for him, I don't think heaven is someplace way, way out there. It's it's up, you know, salvation begins now. Uh, life with God begins now. So your eternal eternal life actually begins now. Right. It begins now, and so this is just a continuation. Right. And so heaven is not something that that you earn or that you. It's not your final. Re- it's not like your reward. I mean, uh, it's hard to explain. It's something that N.T. Wright does point up point out in some of his stuff. He, he says the reason why, why I think it was either John or Luke, I think it was Luke, keeps mentioning that they went to the tomb on the first day of the week uh, was because for them the first day of the week, that, that the resurrection signified the first day of the new creation. Yeah. Uh, that, that it wasn't the fact that, you know, someday Jesus is going to come back. It's the fact that, okay, today is the first day of the new creation and we were living in a new time. That God finished the work on the cross on Friday, and then you've got that Sabbath, and then the first day of the week uh, signified a new creation. God was doing something new. You know what? We're about to rush through this. We're, we're already at 30 minutes. Oh, then we got to stop. <laughs> oh, we don't have to stop. <laughs> we can go as far, because I, I wanted to bring up uh, his, his chapter 5, uh, or movement 5, uh, about the Torah. Yes. Because... One of the things I've gotten from Rob Bell that has been the, the most helpful for me is he keeps mentioning that what Jesus was doing was not teaching timeless truths. He was teaching how reality is, what reality is like. And the thing that I, I keep trying to get people to understand is you can choose to live your life however you want to, but if you choose to live your life within the flow of what Jesus teaches, uh, you're going to experience a much Rich, I mean, a more enriched and deeper, deeper life. You don't have to live that way. Uh, you can choose to live however you want to. But if you actually go with what Jesus is teaching through Scripture, uh, it, it is the best possible way to leave, live. And he has on page 125, right in the middle of, of the page, uh, his quote uh, talking about, uh, I believe, uh, the Jews as they looked at the Torah. What's the Torah, real quick? Torah. This is the first, sorry, first five books of the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's, it was their law. Uh, and he said uh, that they believed the Torah was the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, they believed the best way to live was to live how the Torah said to live. And, and Jesus came and kind of redefined what Torah was and gave us the best possible way to live. So what did Jesus say about himself? That he was the way, the truth, and the life? Yes. It is. So he was saying he was the Torah? Well, what N.T. Wright says, and I don't know if, if Bell got this from N.T. Wright or not. Uh, I've heard him mention that Jesus, uh, the two things for Jewish life was the Torah and the temple. Uh, Jesus redefined both, uh, making it himself. So, that's you, good. You can listen to that online. One of his uh, N.T. Wrights from the N.T. Wright page. I think it's ntwrightpage.com. You get some more of his stuff. Well, Jeff, uh, there's there's still a few more chapters. Uh, did you want to talk about the tassels and then? Yeah, let's talk about the tassels because that's my that's my favorite part of the whole book, and that's yeah. why you should buy the book. Oh, so you're suggesting to buy? <laughs> I'm suggesting to buy the book. Um, we, we we probably should do this at the end. Let's do this at the very end. Our our suggestion, like Roger uh, Eber and, uh, and Roger. What is his name? Is, I know. <laughs> okay, the tassels. They they would uh, the Jewish rabbis would put tassels on their the corners of their um, robes to remind them that they're supposed to follow the law, and so um, so they carried it with them everywhere they went. Um, and he's he's looking for a note that he has made. <laughs> uh, what is it? As he talks at the same time. I'm talking and looking at my book. I've lost it. What are you looking for? The, the, the whole what, thing. What's the tassels? So I'm talking about the tassels, Dave. Uh, uh, we said, oh, the tassels are favorite part of the book, yeah, and now I we can't even find out. Uh, I think it's page 105, where he talks about Shalom. Yeah, that's the healing. Uh, you shall make uh, tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. We'll have these tassels to look at so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself and chase them after the lust of your own heart and eyes. Hmm. Then you will remember to obey all my commands. Okay. Right. And it was interesting that Jesus uh, was walking down the street and a woman who had an issue. Well, I, I think you need issue. to... Some of the other things... Said, okay, go ahead. He says the word in Hebrew here for corners, on the corners where the tassels is... Uh, Kanaf. And the word for tassel or friends is T-Z-I-Z-I-T. T-Z-I-T. Yeah. T-Z-Y. He says, even today, uh, Jews wear a prayer shawl to obey the text. And uh, <clears throat> and one of the most significant uh, mentions of uh, the prayer shawl in the Bible is in Malachi's prediction about the coming Messiah. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and the word that Malachi uses for wings is kanaf, the same word in numbers that refers to the edge of the garment. And uh, so a legend grew that when the Messiah came, there would be special healing powers in his kanaf or in the tassels of his personal. Perfect. Now, the woman, now the, yeah, the woman who had the illness of 12 years of blood issue, she pushed away through the crowd and she grabs his cloak to touch his tassels because there was a belief to be healing in his tassels. Um, and when she touched his tassels, she was healed. And Jesus tells her to go in peace. And the word for peace, of course, is shalom. 
which means absent of conflict. And so um, shalom is the presence of the goodness of God. It's the presence of wholeness and completeness. So the woman is told to go in peace, and she goes with him. She goes in harmony with body, soul, spirit, mind, and emotions. Every inch of her being was changed. And so at restoration, there's a lot of restoration. has to do with restoration. And that's one of the things I think in the Christian body we we don't deal very well with. Uh, We see that people that are struggling have something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough faith. uh, They don't believe enough. uh, They think negatively and all this. Rob shares about his church in this chapter. Uh, You might already know that he's the teaching pastor at perhaps the fastest growing church in American history. Uh, He talks about just kind of what having a meltdown one Sunday morning in, in the storage closet. And and I like that because uh, he is willing to have courage to say, you know what, I had some messed up things in my life. He said, I was trying to be super pastor. <clears throat> and uh, he went to counseling, he said. Uh, he, he did some stuff to get things to make sense, and he made some changes in his life. Now, the whole reason why I love that is because so many times we don't do that as people of God. We, we struggle with, with our issues, carrying them around. They become baggage. And you know what? That baggage actually leaks out and leaks all over other people. And and I'm so glad that uh, that Rob Bell decided to get his act together. And at the very end of that chapter, uh, he, he says, I'm learning that a lot of people give up. They settle and they miss out. Anybody can quit. That's easy. And... Uh, talking about in the context of changing his life, changing the system that he was in. And uh, and he says, I, I'm, I'm learning that very few people actually live from their heart. Very few live connected with their soul. And those few who do the difficult work, because it is, who stare their junk in the face, who get counsel, who let Jesus into all of the rooms in their soul that no one ever goes, and they make a difference. They are so different. They are coming from such a different place that their voices inevitably get heard above the others. They are pursuing wholeness and shalom, and it's contagious. They inspire inspire me to keep going. So we, we've been going for about uh, 39 minutes, 38 minutes, something like that. Yeah, and I think that uh, moment movement five and movement six we kind of touched on, and we're not going to go over the whole book, obviously, because you need to, to read it yourself. But... Um, it just is a to me it was it was eye opening it maybe it was challenging to me. So would you buy this, Dave? Oh, you already said a buy. Uh, I would say a buy. I mean, I like Rob Bell, uh, but but I think he's getting some some wax on Amazon that that maybe are there because people do not understand what he is doing. Uh, they're saying you know it's unorthodox. They're saying well it's not you know if you look at the 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 end notes. You'll see that he does a lot of stuff from N.T. Wright. He does a lot from a couple of, of guys that study the Jewishness of Jesus. And for some reason, people can't wrap their minds around that. They're just thinking he's making this all up. That, you know, he, he's, he's doing this because, hey, it sounds good. But I think what he's doing is he's trying to take some, some a, a, a change from kind of the enlightenment, enlightenment period and, and, and all this uh, and trying to go back to early Christianity to discover what Jesus was actually saying to his contemporaries and trying to find out what that can say to us. And I think you need to know that going in. And so he says some things about the Bible, he says some things about faith that will challenge you. Uh, but, but read it, kind of sit with it, 
uh, if you're, I'd say, fundamentalist, you'd probably have a lot of problems with it. Uh, if you're more open uh, to various ideas, uh, you know, you might be able to come away with, with some good stuff, especially the stuff on healing and restoration and uh, becoming all that God has created you to be. That's good stuff. Not to buy it. I did. I, did I already it. bought it too. And on the back of his book, he's really clear. He says, he says, um, don't swallow this book uncritically. Think about it. Wrestle with it. Just because I'm a Christian and trying to articulate a Christian worldview doesn't mean I got it nailed. I'm just contributing to the discussion. God has spoken in the rest of his commentary. So um, I think that's good. Yes. You know, Dave, uh, the mail just came. Let's see what's in the mail today. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. He keeps checking his mail. I'm not sure if he's waiting for something. Or uh, or what? He is waiting for something. I don't know. I, I bet it's an Amazon order. <laughs> it's a new book. It's a new book. Is this the book you want to read for next time? Um, I wonder why you can't. I got a book mail. in the mail. I don't know if I can get it open. Oh, it's your book. I bet it's your book. I don't know. In <laughs> uh, Jeff's book, you can buy on Lulu.com. <laughs> He's making like what a dollar? Or not dollar. even that. Uh, Lulu.com is a pretty cool site you might want to check out anyway. But uh, the book is called uh, Rechurch. And I was waiting to buy it until I actually saw if he got the formatting right. Oh, and there it is. Oh, you got two copies. Yeah. You know what? The formatting looks looks almost fine. There's <laughs> like a, a six-page... Uh, oh, it's a place for notes at the top. <laughs> yes, header at the top. But other than that, it looks... It looks pretty good, so uh, you can go that. It's about, about $6. 6 bucks. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah. But yeah, this is good. Look at the back page. Good about the back page. Oh, the inside. Because <laughs> I like the picture. That's the picture. Is it all backwards? No, it's no. not backwards. No. So uh, you can go and check that out if you want to, uh, or you can visit our websites. Mine is uh, one of mine is uh, www.yodsource.net slash news, uh, fuzzythinking.blogsum.com, and Jeff, you're at jeffmynewton.blogspot.com and research.blogspot.com. Yeah, research is basically if you don't want to spend the six bucks for the book. It's online. I took it offline. Oh, you took it offline? <laughs> because I want you to buy the book. <laughs> but on research.com, or .blogspot.com, are thoughts, my thoughts about the church. You still have stuff there. So if you want to autograph a copy of the, church, of the book, I should have downloaded that. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I think that's it for our podcast. I don't know when we're going to do another one. Uh, It'd be nice to do one like at least once a month. It'd be fun. Maybe every other week. I don't want to drive down here a lot. But uh, the reason why I drive down to Jeff is he has broadband. I'm like on a dial-up. So it'd take like three hours to upload. No, it'd probably take like eight hours for me to upload this thing. But uh, those of you on, on dial-up know what I mean. So any, any, any party comments? No party comments in particular other than... Um, other than I'm anxious to see if you have any if you want to email us with an idea of a book we should read that you thought was oh. really good to read it we're open to read them most anything um, however we want to make sure that um, we'd like to read newer things but if it's really good for older stuff we'd be glad to read that too yeah, yeah. so uh, 
So uh, you can get our emails from email addresses from. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you mine. David Mullins. That's M U L L E N S at Gmail dot com. And uh, and mine is Urban dot Outreach at Gmail dot com. Right. And so uh, drop us an email, especially if you're listening to this. Uh, this is kind of what like new media stuff, and we're trying to do something other than just give sermons. Exactly. <laughs> trying to do something a little new. So uh, uh, looking at books, everyone reads books, or most everyone. Um, so I think that is it. And are we out? We're out. Until next time, this is Jeff Newton. And this is David Mullins. See you later. A couple of middle-aged pastors reading books.